Back to the basics. Rock Hills Church, our whole purpose to be here is to love God, love others, to help people find and follow Jesus. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some simple biblical practices, some missional practices to put into our lives that we could do that. And it's easy to complicate these things, but like the video was saying, it's really not that complicated to simply love God and love others. So we're going to look at some practical ways of how we can put that into action in our lives and where basically the prayer of our life is simply, God, would you use my life? Would you take my life as complicated as it is, as um, insignificant, maybe even as it may seem, or as dysfunctional as I may be, would you take my life and what I have to offer, and would you use it to be a light in the darkness? Would you use it to bless the world around me? And when we say that as individuals, and we say that as a church, God, would you take us? as people who still need a lot of help, as people who still need to grow a lot and learn a lot. But would you take this church, Lord, and would you use this church to bless our city, to bless our world? I believe that God will do that. And so let's take these next few weeks and uh, just allow God to use us to be a blessing to others. I heard a story recently uh, that author and speaker Beth Moore tells She tells about a time uh, when she was in an airport. She travels a lot, speaking all over the place. She's waiting on her connecting flight. And uh, if you've done that often, you know how it is. You're just sitting there killing time. And as she does this, uh, she's reading her Bible. She looks up from her Bible and she sees an elderly man sitting across from her in a wheelchair. He's all alone. He had assistants that pushed him up there and he's sitting by himself. And Beth Moore says that she notices that his hair was like a rat's nest. He's in total disarray. And her first thought is a compassionate one. There's somebody that I should pray for. She feels sorry for this elderly man who's in disarray. And so she does. She prays for him. But as she prays for him, she feels the Holy Spirit nudging her to serve him. She says that she immediately resisted and tells herself praying for him would be enough, but she couldn't shake the feeling that God was telling her, go brush his hair, to which any of us, just like Beth Moore, would say, oh, no, I don't, I don't think that was God. I think I will just stick with praying for him. Maybe I'll pray that somebody else will come brush his hair. But she says that she couldn't shake it. So she gets up, she walks across the row of chairs, and she bends over and she gently asks, Sir, can I brush your hair? And he couldn't hear her. He says, What? And so she has to ask a few times, Sir, can I brush your hair? To which he responds, Sure, I would like that. She said, at this point, people started awkwardly moving away from them. She said she took out her own brush and she began to brush his hair. She said it took a while and it took some effort. She tried to be gentle. And after a while, his overgrown silver hair 
was smooth and combed. She went and knelt in front of him and gave him her brush and asked him, do you know Jesus? He said, yes, I had to meet him in order to marry my wife. She said that they laughed together. And then he said, in fact, I haven't seen my wife in months since I had my surgery. And I'm on my way home now to see her again. I was just feeling overwhelmed knowing how disheveled that I must look. Beth Moore was humbled that God would speak to her and allow her to be a blessing in a small way even in this man's story. When we hear stories like that, how does that make us feel? On one hand, we may think, there's no way I could ever do something like that. I have trouble coming, combing my own hair, much less somebody else's. For most of us, it would be intimidating to think of taking a step of faith and serving others in such a way. We'd like to think that we would do it, or maybe even more appropriately, we like to think that somebody else would step up and do it. But oftentimes it's hard for us to think of ourselves being led by God and used by God in this kind of testimony where God just puts the pieces together. But yet I would say for us as individual believers and as the church, that is exactly what God wants to do in and through us. As a church, Rock Hills, I pray that we would be a church that is on mission. This is never meant to be a place where we just occupy a seat on Sundays, where we check off our list of, okay, I did my religious duty this week or this month. I'm, I'm good. This is meant to be a place where we engage with God in life-changing adventures that we live on the outside of this place. In fact, following Jesus was never meant to be comfortable. We never see anywhere in Scripture that it was easy for people to follow Jesus. When we follow Jesus, it's meant to be life-changing. At Rock Hills, we mentioned it earlier, our mission is to love God, love others, help people find and follow Jesus. And while that is on our website and on our t-shirts, it's our slogan. But it's much more than just a slogan because that doesn't belong to Rock Hills. That's the mission of everyone that follows Jesus. If we are believers, that is our mission, to love God, love others, help people find and follow Jesus. Jesus gives us this mission in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came and said to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, all too often when we hope that someone else will step up and brush somebody's hair, we hope that somebody else will go and make disciples. 
and teach people to obey. We hope that somebody else will love others and help them find and follow Jesus. Maybe we think, well, that's what we pay you for, Adam. You're the pastor. That's your job. And while it is true that there there are things that are expected of the role of a pastor, this is not one of them. I mean, it is included for myself, but it's included for every one of us. The truth is, that's all of our mission. My prayer is that at Rock Hills, we wouldn't simply hope that people find and follow Jesus, but that we would help people find and follow Jesus. And that's a fine line. It's just a couple of letters different in the wording, but it's a big difference as far as the actions that we take. As we move into this new year, are we hoping that people find and follow Jesus? Or are we actually helping people find and follow Jesus? And I understand, even as a pastor, I can be in this boat. Sometimes we feel like, what if I don't have the words to say? What if there is no way on earth I'm ever going to get up and brush somebody's hair? What if the idea of asking a coworker if they have a relationship with Jesus terrifies me? I have that trouble here at the church, even with my coworkers. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But those conversations can be intimidating, whether it's with strangers or people that we know. What if we don't know the scriptures to share? You know, you know people who know the scriptures backwards and forwards and you just feel inadequate if you don't know them that way. What if they ask you one of those big questions and you don't have the answer for it? Maybe you have that same question yourself. I get it. What I have discovered that helping people find and follow Jesus often looks much more just simply like being a friend than it does preaching a sermon. So over the next few weeks, we want to look at practical ways of how we can live our lives with a missional vision, how we can make a difference in the world around us. We're going to look at ways where we can simply be a friend that directs people to Jesus. And the good news is that the pressure's off of you because God's not expecting you to transform anyone. God is the one that does that. The Holy Spirit transforms us from the inside out. Our job is simply to love and to serve. And by doing that, we make the introduction to God who is the one who transforms. So over the next few weeks... We're going to talk about how we can bless others. Uh, And we're going to use an acronym for this. Uh, I want you to think for a moment of someone you know in your life that could use Jesus working in their life right now. Maybe that's because they don't know him at all. Maybe they've been angry at God and the church. Maybe they're just hurting. Maybe they think they have life all together And they just simply don't need God. There could be a million different reasons. I want you to take a minute. Think of two or three people in your life. They could just really use the presence of God in their life right now.
You see, God uses our lives to bless the lives of other people. And this isn't anything new. This actually goes all the way back to the Old Testament. When God begins His rescue plan for a broken humanity through a man named Abraham. Most of you are probably familiar with that name. God says to Abraham, your family is going to flourish. Out of you will come nations and you will be blessed so that you can be a blessing. This eventually leads to Jesus who is blessed so that he can be a blessing, which by the sacrifice of Jesus, it leads to you and I, us here today. And the mission is still the same. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. We're helping people find and follow Jesus. So how do we do that? Can we do that by waving our hand? Wouldn't that be just great? You know, blessed. There. Done. Do we do that by praying for them? That's a good idea. Maybe it's taking somebody a hot meal in their time of need. How can we truly bless others? We're going to begin today with the B. And it's simple. Begin with prayer. That's it. God can use our lives in incredible ways, as we saw in this story with Beth Moore, just beginning with a simple prayer. Just having a conversation in your heart with the Lord. It's one of those things that we easily overlook. We tend to run out of time to spend time with the Lord. We tend to get so busy that it takes a seat, a back seat, or we forget to do it, or we overcomplicate it. Truth is, we probably think that we do it more than we actually do it, that we pray more than we actually pray. It's kind of like flossing. You're laying there in the chair, and the dentist asks, have you been flossing? And you think, yeah, you know, a few times I did. Yeah, I've been flossing for sure. But the truth is, the dentist can tell. He knows whether you've been flossing or not. So how do we put prayer into our true, regular rhythm in our lives? Sometimes our prayer lives simply revolve around asking God for favors, right? God, would you help me with this? Would you do that? Maybe when we hit emergencies, maybe we don't even pray until life demands it. God, I'm in a bad situation. I need your help. And that's not condemnation. I think most of us don't know oftentimes what to say or how to say it. So we spend most of our prayers simply saying, God bless my day. Keep my loved ones safe. Amen. And we miss the opportunity simply to sit in God's presence, let Him shape us, let Him mold us, let Him refine us and correct us, and let Him put people on our hearts that we can simply pray for, where God might even lead us to take a step of faith. So how can we pray? How can we hear God's voice in praying for others. We might even struggle sometimes with the concept of why bother praying for those people? Because some of you have already been praying for those people for years, 
And you may think, does prayer even work? We had a message on this in our struggle series, which is available at rockhills.com, specifically on when it feels like prayer doesn't work. And so if that's a struggle for you, I encourage you to go back and check out that message when you have time to do so. But sometimes we feel like we have the wrong words. Sometimes we feel like, why should we even bother? But the truth is, at the very heart of loving God and loving others, helping people find and follow Jesus, prayer is essential. It's the heart of it all. It's the relationship that you and I have with God put into the very most basic level of action. To simply pray and interact with God. It's interesting that when we look at the life of Jesus... We see miracle after miracle. He's revolutionary in his messages and his actions. But even Jesus, God made man, takes out time in his life on a regular basis, we see throughout scripture, to find a place where he can be alone and he talks to God the Father. He goes to pray. When he's going to call the disciples to follow him, the people that will be next to him, till the end of his life on earth, and then continue the mission so that the church can be born, we see that Jesus steps aside and he prays so that he can make the right choice, the right steps in that moment. Luke records this. Luke in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, he was a physician, he was a historian, he was a disciple. He writes about this moment when Jesus is going to call the disciples to follow him. In Matthew 6, 12 through 16, it says this, one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, His brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was a zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. All of these people were following, many people were following after Jesus, listening to his message. And I'm sure in that crowd of curious people, there would have been people who are great, what we would call influencers today, not because they were on TikTok, but because they had pull with people. They had influence with people. They had great power or great education. That's not what Jesus was looking for. Jesus is listening to God the Father, getting wisdom to say, here's what I need to do in my next step. And he calls these 12 to follow him as the dots come together. And as God weaves this story of what grows in to be the church, gives us the New Testament that leads us to this place where we're at today. Because in a moment, someone was praying for them. Jesus was praying about wisdom and what step do I need to take. There are many of you who are here today because your grandmother prayed for you. Your mom or your dad prayed for you. A neighbor prayed for you. And we may never even know about the difference that it made within our lives. I have found that when I put myself in a place of 
where I'm committed to praying for a specific person or a group of people, you're going to find yourself thinking about them differently, maybe with more compassion, maybe with more wisdom. It's not necessarily that God is going to change them, although he might, but in the midst of you praying for them, God might change you and your perspective of what they're going through or who they are. They may never know that you're praying for them, but God can use those prayers in ways that we will never know when we connect ourselves with him. It was a missionary to China in the late 1800s named Hudson Taylor. And he said this, Do not have your concert first and then tune your instrument afterwards. Begin the day with the word of God and prayer and get first of all in harmony with him. You see, when we put ourselves in a place of prayer, we're putting ourselves in a place where we are in tune with God so that God can use our lives to make a difference, so that we can live this mission that God has before us all to help people find and follow Him. If we're doing it without prayer, we're doing it in our own strength, in our own ability, and we're missing the mark. Prayer is simple. It's simply spending time with the Lord, letting Him shape you, letting Him give you wisdom in how you can pray for others. So I asked you earlier to think of a few people. I want to help fine-tune that. Who are people specifically that you can leave here today and know I need to be praying for these people? A pastor shared with me sometime last year an acronym that, that really brought it home for me of People that I can be praying for, identifying people that I can actively be praying for. He said, you need to pray for your Franks. I didn't know what that meant, and then he gave me the acronym. Friends, relatives, associates, neighbors, kids' contacts. So these are all pretty obvious. Your friends, they may be people who live here. They may be people who live far away. There may be people you haven't seen in decades, but maybe God will put some of your friends on your heart. Maybe it's your relatives, your children, your parents, more distant relatives. Maybe it's your associates, people that you work with, people, uh, the barista at Starbucks that you see once a week, people that you interact with, your neighbors. The Bible talks a lot about our neighbors in a a bigger sense. But it could specifically be your neighbors, the people who live in the houses directly around you or in your neighborhood. And the last one is kids' contacts. If you're a parent, you're going to have other relationships in your life because of, specifically because of your kids. Now, you may be thinking, well, I don't have any kids to have contacts with. You can make up whatever K you want so that this acronym still works. It could be people at Krispy Kreme. It could be people named Kevin, people named Kate. It could be the Kardashians. It could, it could be killers. Whatever you want just to make this work. But if you take this, you can easily identify several people in your life. I would like to ask you, can you commit to taking 2022 to praying for those people 
and seeing what God does in their life. So I have a challenge for us, specific homework that I want to ask you to do this week. Would you write down one to three people that you feel like God wants you to pray for? If you want to do more, that's fine. But I want to encourage you, write down one to three of your Franks, people in your life that you feel like, God, I want to pray for that person. Maybe it's a person that you feel like nothing's ever going to change in their life, but I'm going to pray for them. Maybe it's a person who's right there on the edge and just something really needs to break through in their life. Whatever it may be, write down one to three people. The second thing I want to ask you to do is have a plan. Where and how will you get into the rhythm of praying? Just spending time with God, but specifically praying for these people as well. On our website, under resources, so rockhills.com, the resource page, uh, Jan has put together for us, Jan Hasler's put together for us some great prayer resources that we've just added this week. And so if you need some help knowing how can I pray, how can I do this because I, I feel a little bit lost, I encourage you to check that out. It's a great resource for you to use, for you to pass on to other people. The third thing I want you to do is make some sort of reminder to pray for these specific people, whether that's a reminder on your phone, a sticky note you put on your mirror, whatever works for you to remind you to pray for them. Because here's what I found, is when we take a step of faith like this, the enemy seems to do whatever he can to make you forget about it or distract you from it. But I believe that God wants to use us simply to begin with prayer for these people. And let's not let anything distract us from that. And then the fourth thing <coughs> is think about people and needs as we pray for them. As we increase our awareness of others, God will give us tangible ways to serve others. So as you pray for them, God might put specific needs on your heart to go brush their hair and whatever step of faith that may be. It may be a note of encouragement. It may be sending a text. It may be taking somebody out to lunch. Who knows what it could be? But let God lead you in that. Ask God to draw that person to Christ, to put people who are godly influences in their life. Ask God to give you an opportunity to serve those people and to give them an understanding of God's love. So over the next few weeks, we will continue in our BLESS acronym and look at some very tangible and practical ways that we can truly live this out to help people find and follow Jesus but it all begins at the starting line, and that is begin with prayer. In 2022, let's be intentional about not just hoping people find and follow Jesus, but truly helping them find and follow Jesus. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, that you never give up on us. Lord, and there are people all around us that you haven't given up on either. Lord, I ask that you would include us in your great story. 
Lord, that you would include us in what you're wanting to do in mankind, in our neighborhoods, and in our homes. Lord, let us begin with prayer. Would you take just a moment? Would you welcome God into your own heart? And then would you just mention those names? You don't have to have the right words. Would you just lift up the names of whoever God might have placed on your heart today? God, we thank you that today you hear our prayers. Lord, you see us in the midst of our own struggles and insecurities, and you invite us to be your very own. So, Father, today, if it's for the first time or just simply another time, Lord, we surrender to you. And we thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, to forgive us of our sins to make us new creations. And Lord, today we thank you that you have heard the names, the people and the faces, Lord, that we've lifted up to you. Lord, put people in our hearts this week. Put people in our paths this week. We ask this in your name.